If you're looking for your next new truck, trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light-duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out their online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for further details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. I'm Will. I'm Stav. And in this episode, we're going to be covering more of the round two of the NBA playoffs. We're also going to be talking about how bad the Red Sox are, like we do on every episode. So what do we say, guys? Let's get right into it. Let's do it. Let's go. All right, boys. We're going to start things off with nothing other than our Boston Celtics. Huge game for tonight. Tonight we're recording, which is Monday night. Um, game three, though, um, a lot to say about game three. A lot of problems to go over. Um, one, how do we feel? All right. Um, if I can go first here, I'm ha- like I don't want to say I'm happy with the result. Obviously, the Celtics lost, but this is kind of going back to our game one standpoint, where if you lose and play your best game, then you got to be scared. The Celtics played. All right, Jason Tatum played the worst game he could have possibly played. So it's like, yeah, we lost, but so much is going to change and so much could have been different in that game where we could have easily won that game by like 10, 15 points. Like, I'm walking away from that game like the Bucks got very lucky. Like, Jason Tatum shot four of 19. Marcus Mark got fouled on that three-pointer and he got fouled again on the perfect free throw miss to get that offensive rebound. Rob Williams got fouled. Um, They like reviewed the two minute report or whatever, like they do for every game. And like, if the refs called the game, right, I think it would have benefited the Celtics by another like 10 points almost. So it's like that game could have gone so differently. And I think tonight's game, Monday night game four, it's going to be very bad. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be a very, official heavy game they're gonna call a lot of whistles and i don't know if they're gonna go in the favor of the celtics but there's gonna be a lot of flopping there's gonna be a lot of whistles there's gonna be a lot of free throws tonight grip what do you think no i i know exactly what you're saying stop when it comes to the last two minutes of the game um i i don't think it could have been more poorly officiated they uh came out with the report and they said that they agree um, with the Marcus Smart foul being on the floor, which was just complete and utter BS. And and that's something that the NFL does all the time where it's just like you got to defend the refs. And um, and then not only did they say that they supported that, but then they came out and said literally in the same paragraph of the report that they missed five calls, five calls, and they were all 
um, in favor of the Bucks. So they're all like they let the Bucks slide on five calls, it, it, and that's in the last two minutes of the game. So it, even if even in those last two minutes, the game could have been completely different. I think it was throughout the whole game they were missing calls. It was very physical, which is what you like to see in the playoffs. But um, Stav, you said it. It's bad when or people say it, it, it's not a good thing when you play your best game and still lose. Um, like you said, Jason Tatum had a terrible game. And if Jason Tatum has a terrible game, that means the Celtics have a terrible game. He's our number one option when it comes to scoring. He's our number one option in general. He's our superstar. And, and he had 10 points, right? And he went 0 for 6 for 3. And I'm expecting something to change come game four. And in my opinion, the Bucks played one of the best possible games that they could play. Giannis yeah. had 42. He had 12. He had 8. Um, Brooke Lopez had 13, 10 rebounds and a, and a few blocks, I believe. And Drew Holiday had 25 points. So when it comes to looking at the final score, you're like, wow, if we had a couple of calls go our way or a couple of calls actually called fairly, this would have been a different game. And I'm expecting that the Celtics realize that it's not going to be easy when it comes to getting the calls because they want this series to be elongated and they want a long series here. So I think they're really going to fight through this one tonight. And I think it's going to be, um, like you said, an ugly game when it comes to physicality, but I think we're in for a classic. I couldn't agree with you guys anymore. Um, it's a lot of calls to miss in favor of another team in the last two minutes of the game. You just simply just can't do that. I mean, I would understand if there was five missed calls and they were about even, and that's not even that bad. You kind of have to look that as like, we we can't control that. But I mean, like five going against us, that's kind of hard to just let that slide and not really raise awareness to that situation. Um, in terms of the game tonight, I feel like it's going to be a dog fight. There's going to be a lot of flopping. There's going to be a lot of trying to sell the foul, especially Giannis just literally playing like a football player almost and just stiff arming half of our team. I feel like every time he goes into the, every time he crashes and goes into the lane, I feel like all five of our guys are on the floor looking up at him, make a wide open free throw. And either they call a foul on one of our guys and he's at the line or we get, we get the ball back after he makes an easy layup, which is, which is in my opinion is very ridiculous, but I wanted to take a look at the rest of the series lining up because we do have a must win game tonight. And in my opinion, we have a must win game tonight and we have a must win game back in Boston, the game after, but like tonight we it's must win because we, tie the series up we look at two two new series and we need to take two at home and we win like that's that's pretty much the outlook we need to have we can take one loss again away at away and i'd rather have the two games we win for the rest of the series and finish out in seven yeah i mean you i couldn't have said it better myself and just kind of wrapping up with the celtics this is a jason tatum early career legacy game because mm -hmm. after round one, there was all these talks about him being better than KD and how he's a top 10 player in the league, emerging into being a top five and MVP favorite for next year. Well, this round two, he's played bad, in my honest opinion. Even game two when he had 29 points, whatever, he played bad. You know, like he missed a lot mm -hmm. of open shots. He's missing a lot of open shots, and he just looks like he's flustered. He looks like – it's it's not like it's – like Pat Bev on him, and it's not Wesley Matthews is guarding him, bro. Like Jason Tatum needs to step up. He needs to prove to the rest of the league and needs to prove to himself first and foremost that he's this guy that he proclaims himself to be. You know, I'm expecting like 30 points from him tonight. He needs it, and I need him to lead the Celtics to win because we've seen time in and time out Jason Tatum be the best player on the court, and he is fully capable of doing that tonight. Um, I have breaking news. Uh, from Woj, 
Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, Robert, wh- Robert Robert Williams is going to be out uh, for for game four um, against the Bucks. So this is a big day for Daniel Tice. Um, and, and, you know, Rob Will, who has the weakest knees in the league, it's something that you expect. And he did get banged up in the game um, prior, but he stuck through it. But clearly it's he's not good to go tonight. Um, but the thing is, we can look at that in a way that Rob Will is one of our best players, right, when it comes to defense and when it comes to bringing athleticism at that big position. Um, but th- this is going to be a g- big game. I'm guessing that Grant Williams is going to get a start. And, and you know what? I actually really like that because they've been utilizing him very well off the bench. And I think this is a big night for him to get um, a lot of time, a lot of burn on defense against Giannis because, I mean, he's 6'5". And I think literally since we've started this podcast, Will, I have been talking about how Grant Williams was an SEC defensive player of the year and and he was terrible on defense when it comes to the nba but he's really putting it together and now he's stopping pretty much the most unstoppable player in the league like he's literally playing very good defense against Giannis, and 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 Giannis still gets his like like you said will where he just kind of bowls through the whole team and they don't call an offensive foul because they've never seen someone that physical since shaq and they used to call a lot of offensive fouls on Shaq throughout forever, and they're not doing it for Giannis. And Giannis can just like push guys off, like dig into guys. And and I feel like this is a big game for Grant, and I'm expecting to see Tice get some minutes. And I feel like this is one of these games where we're gonna see how well this team gelled um, throughout round one without Rob Will. And I think that um, missing Rob Will, just like we missed out on Marcus Smart in game two. I'm going to I'm going to stick with my same prediction when it comes to that. I don't think it's going to uh, hurt us as much as like it should in, in a sense where I feel like we have good chemistry still. And, and I feel like this is kind of something we need. Oh, no, Rob, will we need a W, right? And we're going to go back to the garden and hopefully he'll be back for game five. And you're right. If we can just stick um stick to winning these home games, if we can pull out this one, then we're going to be just fine. Because if this goes seven, we're going to be at home in game seven. Boys, home court is the most important thing that they can control right now. I mean, <clears throat> with Tice being in the lineup, hypothetically, he might, I don't think he's going to start. I think they'll put Grant in the starting lineup. Grant I think it'll probably be five. like mm-hmm. Smart, Brown, JT, Grant, and Horford with Tice coming mm-hmm. in playing big minutes. But with Tice coming in, that kind of brings a little bit more of a shooting element to the team. I mean, the Bucks will live if Daniel Tice decides to hit all of his threes. But that opens up the offense a little bit more. I mean, you have to respect Daniel Tice's mid-range jump shot in the kind of around mm-hmm. the paint. Like and Brooke even the three ball throughout round one. Yeah, like Brooke Lopez can't um, just sit in the paint and block everything anymore. And Giannis, maybe he'll get a goaltend called on him. So it's just, I mean, we'll see. I think that when the chips are down and when the when you're not favored, that's when the real superstars show up. And I think we're going to see for the first time, actually, this series, both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum really step in and play like superstars. I was honestly just about to say the same thing, Stav. I was like, I really think tonight's going to be a big night for uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I feel like even though we're out, um, Rob will, I feel like we, we've kind of felt the pressure from that already, having Marcus Smart out in the series, like you said, Griff. I feel like even in the last series, not having Rob will, 
like we gel so good as a team no matter what. I feel like we all understand the pressure there is behind this game because once we if we lose this game hypothetically down three one going back home, like I just don't see it. Like this is like it, it, I just don't see us winning the game. Like or me winning the series. Like we're we're putting ourselves in a hole. Obviously it's three one. So that's never an easy hole to come to dig yourself out of. But like we're really reaching the point where, like, th- like this is actually the, the ultimate must-win game. Like Stoff said, legacy games are – we need a Jason – I mean, yeah, we need a Jason Tatum legacy game tonight. Like, we need all forces to be clicking, everything to be there. Like, we're not – like, it's all, we're not asking for a lot, to be fair, because we've done it before, and it's not impossible because, we're, like, for the Celtics, we're good this year. Like, we have a team that can come out here and beat the Bucks. Like, we've done it before. Like we we match up well, and even without Rob Will, I feel like we're not so much at a disadvantage as it seems like on paper. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's very true. I just think that um, when it comes to this game four, and we're talking about Jason Tatum, and we're talking about Jalen Brown, and in these games that they need to have, it's not that they need to finish with like 35 points they need to get on milwaukee right away because that's how we saw it in game two and, and we just blew them out now we we do our best when we give ourselves a cushion going into halftime because we're i mean such a bad third quarter team that um we just need to really get out there firing and we we've been getting a lot of open shots even in our losses and and the score might not say it but in game three i believe we outplayed the uh the milwaukee bucks and I just think that if we start to see our shots go in early, it's going to give the guys a lot of confidence, a lot of momentum, and it's going to continue to flow. And I, and I think that's really the key to this game and the rest of the series because they're giving us the open looks right now, disrespecting the three-pointer, and it's working out for them. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of injuries, I think this is a good transition to talk about Golden State versus Memphis, another really gritty physical series. I mean – Let's be real. Every single round two series has turned out to be kind of a pleasure to watch. I mean, to the start we of it, were we sleeping. were yeah, we were sleeping, and I, I think all. we should all take responsibility for um, kind of shunning the other two series. But let's talk about Golden State and Memphis first. John Morant out game four, and there's a lot of controversy around what happened. I mean, so for those who don't know, there was if you slow mo a video where Jaw is in the game. Jordan Poole, like, goes to steal the ball, but grabs his knee. But, like, let's be real. There's no way Jordan Poole has the strength of the Incredible Hulk where he can rip someone's knee tendon out for going with a steal. And, like, obviously, if you slow down anything and put anything in slow-mo, everything looks like it's dirty. Like, it's, I'm sorry, but, like, that's not really a dirty play. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. And Ja didn't even mm-hmm. get hurt on that play. Ja got hurt because he went flying towards Clay Thompson to contest a shot. Like, what do you what do you guys think about this? Do you guys think that's a dirty play by uh, Jordan Poole? I mean, I feel like any like you said, stop any play that you decide to slow down and take a look at like very closely. Like most of the time, you're gonna see that oh, that was probably a dirty play, and they're gonna go ahead. Whoever did it in this case, Jordan Poole, he's gonna get a lot of flack for doing what he did. But like we have to keep in mind, these guys are running around there at a thousand miles an hour. There's like there's not really like obviously there's a sense of control in the game, and there's a sense of way you can control your body and the way you can kind of like ease the pace of the game at your own speed, depending on how you're playing. Like we've all played basketball before. We know how it feels. I mean, obviously not at that speed because we like, we just don't know that speed, but like at our speed, you know, like when someone gets hurt, we see something gets hurt or like one of us gets hurt. It's kind of like, 
it's it's almost slow mo in that time. There's no way that Jordan Poole was just like, oh, let me just rip this guy's tendon out. Like there's like you can't like I don't know like it just seems like it's not really like a dirty play. I guess like I don't know. I don't feel like you physically. I like it had to be an accident. Like there's no way you're just like let me go punch this guy's knee. Like like you just don't think like I don't know what he's thinking. But like I don't know. Like that's like the last thing I would think to do on the basketball court. Yet there's some crazy stuff that's happened this year, and I like I can't like disregard that that's a possibility but it just seems too ridiculous yeah i feel like um as as bad as it looked in slow motion like you like we've been saying like everything looks bad in slow motion like if you actually watch the full speed play like he literally just uh goes wraps around his knee and like pulls a little bit and you're exactly right stop like john didn't even come out after that play he he came out after um he tried to contest that shot and he landed weird because John Morant is literally known for just jumping everywhere without actually caring about like his legs. We see it every single time he goes up for a layup. Like there will be four guys and they'll just be like, I'll jump and hopefully like something clears up. And, and if it does, I'll just make a layup. Like he's just very reckless. Like that's why he got hurt. He didn't even get hurt from that play. I just feel like since um, it's been such a chippy series where there's been a couple intentional um, fouls and, and we talked about it with the Gary Payton situation and then with the Draymond Green situation as well. Um, people are kind of just using this as something to add on to that, to, to make it look like this series is so physical. It's so brutal. Like these guys really don't respect each other or whatever. Like I just I just really think that there's adding trying to add this they're exaggerating things at this point just to try to add to this story of like this is like a war i also wanted to note the fact before we move on from like this play is i saw a few like highlights on instagram and stuff like that like jaw was getting doubled for a lot of that game like the way he plays and getting double at his style of play like you're not obviously bound to get hurt, but you're bound to draw contact to like your knees, like the way they were doubling him. Like he was trying to split between defenders the almost the whole game. Like I watched the play where he like split between, I forgot who it was, but he was like running at him like full speed. I'm like, damn, like if I'm in a double, if I'm getting doubled, like I'm not going to do that. Like I might like, you might like knock knees with someone. Like, I don't know. I just like, if even if you look at it, like, I don't know, just getting doubled and trying to control the game like that too. Like you're, it's not like a good, like sight to see anyways you're gonna something dirty is gonna happen anyways so like obviously the Warriors are playing aggressive defense on them because they have to try to contain him. and <clears throat> John like kind of what Griff was saying too about his injury before I actually this will transition to the next part of this series but jaw jumps without caring where he's gonna land like that's like jaw when he's about to take off he's like ah. Eh. Like, that's a future me problem. I don't really need to worry about where I land right now as long as I get it into the uh, hoop. But it it's kind of coming back to bite him, especially in a physical playoff series where you're playing every other day against the same physical defense. You got to have to kind of take care. I mean, you have to take care of your body, but you have to be conscious. Like, this one specific jump shot that I'm going to contest when I'm in the paint and Clay Thompson's, like, at the three-point line or wherever he was, this isn't going to change the series. So, like, Ja, when he comes back, and the Grizzlies, let me remind you, they're 20-5 and five without Ja. So it's not like they they can't win without him, and it's like all hope is lost. They can they play well as a team without Ja, along when, when Ja is in. So, like, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm like, okay, this isn't the end of the world. Let's see the other guys step up, and let's see how they can play in the playoffs. Like, what do you guys think about that? I think if I'm a Grizzlies fan, I, not all hope is lost. 
Uh, and, and with Jaw being out, um, most likely, I don't think it's uh, set in stone that he's out, but he was doubtful last time um, that uh, the listings came out. Um, I think without him, it's going to be kind of more of a team ball type of game because we literally saw the Warriors double teaming him like you said well pretty much the whole game and it was pretty effective in my opinion they did pretty good I put a bet mm-hmm. on that game by the way I just wanted to say um Steph Curry to have over 28 and a half points and the Warriors to win it was parlayed um it was a big win for me I just want to say it actually uh, paid for my groceries um so pretty big deal um but with the with jaw with Jaw being out in this game, I see nothing but a Warriors win and then being up three to one in this series. Um, just because we've I've been talking about it the whole time. The the Grizzlies, like you said, are they're like 20 and 5, 22 and 5, whatever it is in the regular season. But when it comes to the postseason, and we've seen it time and time again with John Morant, in the fourth quarter, he just takes over, right? So they they can do good throughout the first three quarters, and then when they actually need someone to be like their star player, they're not really going to have anybody. And I don't think Desmond Bain's going to be a guy that's going to be able to drop like 10, 12 points uh, come fourth quarter time. And I think the Warriors have about four guys that can do that. And I I mean, I've been saying it the whole series. I think the Warriors are going to win. And I think they're going to go up 3-1 here and then maybe take a loss in game five and, I mean, seal it in six. I really don't see – um I don't I don't see Memphis coming back from this. Um, in my opinion, like uh, Stav, I know you asked, do, uh, you don't think the Grizzlies have like all hope to be lost? In my opinion, I honestly think they do. And it's kind of like you don't want to think that obviously when your best player is out only for one game potentially. But like it's a bad game to be out, in my opinion. Like obviously he can't control it. He got hurt. So there's nothing really you can do about that. But like looking at the game situation, a team like the Golden State Warriors isn't going to lose this game, especially playing a team without John Morant. So that's an automatic win up three to one. Yes, we have seen them lose a series down three to, I mean, um, up three, one, not going to happen again to them. I think they close this game out in six, like Griff said, possibly five. I think if they, if they gain a good amount of momentum off of this win, it might be hard to stop a team like the Warriors, especially if any momentum goes their side, you have to keep in mind it's still Stephen Curry. Like, can't can't factor him out at all. And this is still a Warriors team that's very, very talented. And they're obviously sneaky underdogs. Very true. And, I mean, there's, I mean, three stars on that team that can get buckets whenever they want. And then you add Andrew Wiggins, you add Draymond Green. But um, speaking of superstars, I'd say we should move on to the – Next matchup, who has probably the most superstars in three um, in their series. We got Luka, we got CP3, we got D-Book. In this series, actually, we were sleeping on it when the Suns went up 2-0, um, went back to Dallas, and they took two tough losses, and and they just really haven't been getting anything going. The series, like I said, tied 2-2. Two two. Luka Doncic kind of coming alive here, guys. Stav, I'm going to ask you first. Um, when we said uh, – when the series was up 2-0 and we said the series is as good as over – um, I think we all agreed on that. Do we still think the Suns are still just going to pull this out and it was a, a nice little two-game stretch, or, or do we really think that Luke is going to be able to carry them on? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to my original take of saying how I, I originally had the Mavs coming out of the West in the beginning of the playoffs, and I have receipts for that. But then the Suns kind of reminded me why they were the best team in the league, and then I kind of went against my original take. But I don't want to say I'm fully back on the Mavs because I do think that a lot went right for them in their games at home. 
And it's going to be one of these things. It's like home court really does matter in the playoffs. Like both fan bases are very crazy. Phoenix is awesome to watch play. Like they always get rowdy. Dallas is the same way. Like <clears throat> those are two fan bases that really can propel their home team to win. So I think this is going to go seven games. And to be honest, I think every single series is going to go seven games in the second round. I, it's just like if Luca can carry this team past the Suns, there's no way that he can't carry him past the next round, in my in my personal opinion. I, yeah. I agree 100%. I mean, Luca is someone that, like, during the first round, and, and honestly throughout this whole year, in my opinion, and I even went to a game where the Mavericks played at the Garden, um, and, and Luca played the whole game, he didn't do too great. I feel like Luca's hype has died down throughout this past year. But every time the playoffs happen, like, come around, and they get, like, a 3, 4, or 5 seed, um, it's like the same thing every year. It's like he doesn't have a team around him. How far is he just going to carry them? And, I mean, he's doing pretty good right now, and I agree with you. I think that every single game in this series, the home team is going to win, and I think that it's going to come down to Phoenix in Game 7, and Phoenix is going to take it, and it's going to be a good one. Um, And, and we said the series hasn't been too good, Will, and I, I, I just really think that Luka's pretty much the only difference in this series. I agree. Um, in my opinion, the, these two huge wins from the Mavs, this is a series reset. Obviously, they're tied 2-2, two to two, so, like, that makes sense there. But, I mean, as a whole, this is a huge series reset. You kind of stole some pride away from the Suns, the Mavericks did, and now you're looking at who, who can win the next three games. Like, who, well, obviously, first of two, but who's going to really take over these next three games. And I feel like the Suns will probably win the next game, but these next two games after that are going to be very, very tough for them. And I feel like the Mavericks have the best chance to beat them in seven. Yeah. And um, there's been this kind of narrative that's been put around about Devin Booker, how he's thinking he's something he's not like, I always see him like talking crazy and stuff. And then like, he'll just turn around and start flopping. Like, I love D-Book. D-Book's one of the, my favorite players in the NBA. I just don't want him to turn into one of these guys that's unlikable. Like, if you're going to talk this tough guy game, then you better back it up when you're on the road. Like, he swats Jalen Brunson game one, talks, his, talks, whatever, and then they go to Dallas, and Devin Booker's flopping all over the place, crying for calls. Like, dude, if you're going to talk, you better back it up on the road and still play like that. You can't. You can't like feel safe just because you're at your home environment. You got to back it up on the road. That's how I think real tough guys are formed in the NBA when you can perform well on the road and back it up with your talk. Like I didn't like what I saw out of Devin Booker in those past two games, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys know me, I'm a big guy when it comes to um, the plus minus stat and looking at uh, game four where the Mavs won by 10 points, um, Jay Crowder minus 16, Macau Bridges minus seven, DeAndre Jordan minus 15, D Book minus 12, and then some of their bench players are in the positive when it comes to plus minus. If you're not, I mean, carrying your team as a starting five, and in, especially in the Phoenix Suns, who went 64 and 18 this year, and Devin Booker was a very large part of that. And I know Chris Paul was as well, but he was hurt for a good amount of the season. Um, this is an, this is quite an embarrassing loss, even if you're on the road. When you drop 35 points, but your plus minus is minus 12, 
um, it, it's like we were talking about with James Harden. It's like we were talking about with Trey Young. And, and I always say with Luca, these are kind of points that don't really matter, right? Um, and that's the way that I saw it throughout that whole game. I mean, if you're not in the positives as a plus minus, for me, that's a pretty big category. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm a, I'm a big guy when it comes to the plus minus. Cause I mean, if you get outscored by 12 points, when you are on the court and you're Devin Booker, how how is your team going to win the game? They they really can't. Looking for a particular truck part? Then look no further. The Rush Truck Center's All Makes Parts catalog features more than 16,000 of the most popular All Makes Parts from top suppliers in the industry and with quality brands you know and trust. And at 164 full-color pages, this is their biggest catalog yet. Our friends at Rush Truck Centers have great deals for you all year long. Check out their monthly parts and service specials in-store and online. And when you're ready to order, shop online with Parts Connect at RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm an indie vet. I'm also home from work at 6 and already transformed into a princess. Mommy, put on your crown. That's because I've got complete control of my schedule, plenty of shifts that fit my life, and a team like no other. It's a whole new way to vet. Indie vets. I totally agree. I think plus minus is actually one of the biggest like stats that you can look at other than what each player puts up for the game and how, like, in terms of individual, like, um... Shit, I can't even think of what I was gonna say. Hard time with the words right now. But their individual English was hard. Yeah, their individual statistics. Um, yes, their individual statistics and how they personally affect the game as an individual. Not only like let's say like Jay Crowder dropped like twelve points, five boards, and like an assist or whatever. Like besides that, you can really see how they positively or negatively affected the game. Obviously, the plus minus there. But like that's the only way you can really tell at like who's really the best player on the floor when you guys are succeeding as a team. And in my opinion, for the rest of this series, this is the most unlikely scenario that the Suns wanted themselves in a two, two series heading back home. Cause n- now you're, you're, your backs are not really against the wall, but like looking ahead, don't love looking ahead, but who really are you as a team now? That's the real question. You're playing a Mavericks team that you guys were up two Oh on now they're, now you're tired to home obviously you love to see yourself going back home and you love to see yourself playing at home again in game seven potentially but you don't love the look of that especially if you're especially if they win this series and have to play either golden state or the grizzlies which is most likely probably going to end up being golden state that's that's not really what you want to see and i think that's like the last thing i did kind of want to mention i don't really want to talk too much about this because not many facts have dropped about it other than like perspective so he said she said so apparently for those who don't know someone put their hands on chris paul's like wife and mom like apparently she was they were pushed chris paul was pissed as he should be if he he hears that and it's just such it's a he said she said thing and it's really tough now because a lot of it's guilty before proven innocent and I don't really want to say much about it. I think it's just such a stupid situation. I think whatever the fan did, if you even put yourself in a situation where you could be pushing, especially Chris Paul's parents or whoever, take yourself out of that situation. You're obviously going to be considered a bad person, a bad guy, probably going to get banned for life from Dallas Mavericks game. You're sitting basically courtside, so you clearly have money, probably embarrassing your parents. The kid was like, what, 16, 17? I don't know if you guys saw that. Dude, he honestly looked younger than that. He he looked young. So it's like, and, and, don't be stupid. You're old enough to know that's not 
I, I don't know. What do you what do you guys want to say quickly about that? I mean, when it comes to being a spectator at a NBA game, you should leave it at that. Like you're a spectator, you're a fan. You can cheer, you can boo. Just there's no reason to put your hands not only on. Not, I'm not only saying this because of like it was Chris Paul's family. Like you have no business putting your hands on anybody in general. So like if you're at a if you're at a game, enjoy it for what it is. Don't try to take a take quote unquote advantage because that's probably what he saw it as a situation to be on a national spotlight and, and that's what all these people do right like we saw it with the Timberwolves like um and, and they did it for like a cause this guy just did it just because he's a Dallas fan and he's probably mad at Chris Paul he, even if he did do it um but if he didn't do it look I mean we're talking about him right now he got exactly what he wanted but um, I just always see those situations as something stupid, something that could be and should be like not in the picture. Like I, I just really think that they they just do this for attention. People like that. Yeah, well said. Like, yeah, like there's really not much I can really add to that other than just maybe show some respect while you're at the game. Like just take in the game. Don't really like. I don't I mean, know. I've never. Yeah, I've never really seen the point. I mean, obviously like, these people want attention and stuff like that. But I mean, like, hey, like. I guess do what you want to do, but like, like that's just not okay. Like, except, do you remember that one time that Will pushed someone downstairs at the garden? Yeah, I killed him. <laughs> oh my god! It was like what? Three, no, four? no, no, no. <laughs> chill, chill. I'm kidding. But, no, yeah, like, I just like I don't I'm know. Not. I like every time we see something like this, no matter if it's a player's family involved or like any just like other spectator on spectator situation, like it's not, it's not cool. I mean, like we saw last year with like it happened with the Suns too, like the fight that happened last year. Like one that, that was a crazy fight. Viral. That yeah, like you know what I mean? The like Suns he got Yeah. The Suns and Florida. I mean he was in the same row as the guys, by the way. His jersey was literally there. Like it said Suns I saw and him. Was like yeah, I saw two him. Two seats away from, from all that action. He just really I didn't back. I didn't notice that. I, I literally because I literally wa- I looked up the video like as we were recording just so I could like have a little bit more context. Cause I watched it a couple times, but I wanted to see if I could find a video of the actual like what happened, but there's no video of what actually happened. It was no just one the knows. it's just he said where, like, she said there. Yeah, so like I don't even know what happened. Nobody really does unless you were like around the game. And, and at that point, it's just word of mouth. So who even knows at this point, right? And, and I mean, I'm going to believe Chris Paul, I guess, because you believe the famous person in these situations. <laughs> yeah, like the Suns and Four guy, like he got attacked and like he stuck up for himself and won. So like that's like a major respect on his part. Like obviously you don't want to like see yourself in that situation, but like. Like I mean, like no, the I other guy attacked him. Myself into that situation, and then we'll just scream out the name of the podcast. What good idea? See, thank you, Stop. Stop knows. Griff, I got an idea. Let's just go to a Red Sox game and start fighting, <laughs> and then like have everyone record it or whatever. Inside yeah. the fight. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You can record it. Yeah. Let's let's do it. You know what? Next Red Sox game, Griff and I are going to get onto a fight that's going to end up spilling onto the field, and we're going to promote Inside the Five. I didn't know we were going to include the field part. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna get, if we're going to get arrested, might as well go out in style, right? <laughs> I'll never go back to Fenway again. I'll think about it. Maybe, can uh, we do it at, like, a different stadium? Like, I don't want to get kicked out of Fenway. Let's go to Yankee Stadium. Like, who cares? Let's go to Yankee. Well, I mean, they probably do that every game anyways. Terrible. But moving on. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of terrible people, we got Philly. Uh, we got Miami. Um, series tied at 2-2. I'm on complete smoke today. Um, and, and this is the best thing that Philadelphia has seen since the Super Bowl. Um, you won two games in this series. Nice. James Harden dropped 30. That was big. A 30 bomb from James Harden. I think it was 31 to be exact in game four. Um, and uh, what's his name? Not MVP Joel Embiid had around 25. I'm not checking the box score. I checked it earlier today while I was doing my research for this episode. I think he had 25. I know for a fact James Harden had 31. Um, I just I just have no idea, guys, and I need someone to enlighten me. Like four days ago, Joel Embiid had a concussion. He didn't have a right thumb, and he didn't have a left thigh. So how is he dropping 25 points in an NBA game? Can somebody tell me how that happened? Because he was oh, faking it. Mystery. Because he was like, oh, if we blow a 3-0 lead to Toronto, I just want it to be an excuse that I'm injured. He's fine. He didn't – He's who cares, you know? Um, I get – so let me tell you my game six predictions. James Harden, he's going to disappear. He's not going to do anything in Miami. And um, Joel Embiid's going to kind of do his thing. I mean, Joel Embiid's a good basketball player, I guess. And he's big. He's oh, physical. He is. Yeah, whatever. That, that's up for debate. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. He's he's good. I just hate him. But um, the Heat, I I don't know what they're doing. Like, if I'm being honest, so like <laughs> you're the you're the number one seed. You dominate the first two games, then Embiid comes back, and you just forget how to play basketball. Like, yeah, sure, Joel Embiid's gonna provide some sort of spark to that team, but he doesn't impact all 48 minutes of the game. You still got to be able to hit your open shots and. We, I mean, this is kind of a good note that we have here. Why isn't Duncan Robinson playing? Well, Duncan Robinson is absolutely atrocious on defense. And it's not like the 76ers are dominating offensively. They're not putting up 140 points. They're putting up 100. Like, the Heat are just not scoring at all. Jimmy Butler's scoring, and that's about it. The other guys really need to step it up, or the 76ers are just going to go to the conference finals, get swept by whoever wins the Bucks celtics series. Like, yeah, I don't really understand what the Heat are doing. I watched almost – I think I watched the whole game last night. It was just a weird game. Um, I like – I mean, I like to see – I don't – like, I guess in our favor, I guess I'd probably want to see the 76ers win if we're looking ahead. If we take this series against the Bucks, I'd probably want to play them instead of the Heat. But, I mean, the Heat are just playing super weird basketball. Like, their rotations aren't really – I don't know. Like, none of it – like you said, stop. it really just doesn't make sense. Like, why Duncan Robinson isn't pay- being – played as much like I think he's played one minute this entire series and like he's getting paid to literally shoot the ball and give you more points and then like he on nights that he, exactly he's getting paid a lot of money and that's no hate on him it's like more hate on the heat not he's playing good. him like he's good and he's getting paid rightfully so it's just you got to use him and then on the other hand the 76ers I feel like James Harden's kind of like working his way back up to like not necessarily full potential of his whole self again but like he's like he's working his way back up to like steadily being able to drop like 20 points in the playoff series and him and Joel Embiid are going to be able to be a good dynamic duo and kind of take over this series again and kind of put themselves in the driver's seat to move on. Yeah. These, these are two of the weirdest teams in the whole playoffs, in my opinion, um, Eastern and Western conference combined. Cause you look at the game four uh, box score Jimmy Butler had 40 points. It's like I watched like I watched the first half of this game. 
I didn't see Jimmy Butler do any of this. Like, he just drops 40 out of nowhere, and then he's, like, dying on the sideline at the end of the game because he does give it literally everything in his body. And this team still, like, plays bad. And it's because they put too much pressure on these guys that aren't supposed to be elevated this high. And I'm talking about Max Struess, and I'm talking about Gabe Vincent, I'm talking about Caleb Martin. And and these guys just aren't going to give you, like, as quality minutes as they did in the regular season. Like, you look at Max Struess, the perfect example. He played 30 minutes in this game. He only shot five times. He had four rebounds, and he had six points. And he's your starting shooting guard, right? Where you could have Tyler Hero, who's been very impressive, and even Victor Oladipo, who played 32 minutes in game four, who gave you 15 points. Why not throw him in the starting lineup? Victor Oladipo, in my opinion, is a proven veteran. And we've seen him in a couple playoff series when he was on the Pacers. Um, in between injuries, when he was healthy, he was so impressive in the playoffs. I just think that... Will, you were completely right when you said their rotations are messed up. And that's no flag towards uh, Eric Spolstra because he's been a great coach for years. Yeah. And I'm a very big fan of Eric Spolstra. I just feel like they were doing so good with this rotation, Will, that it, it was working forever and now it's not working. So they need to make a few adjustments and then they're going to be right back to the Miami Heat that we saw. And they're a pretty dangerous team. And, no, and it's I also, agree. It's also really hard to beat the 76ers when you shoot as many free throws as they made. So if the Sixers are getting to the line, like you're, it's such a hard uphill battle because that slows the game down. It allows Joel Embiid to kind of like stay in the game in a sense, because he's a guy who can't run up and down the court for 48 straight minutes. But if you put him on the line, he has a lot of time to rest. Same thing with Harden. Harden was shooting free throws like crazy. Like that's what the Sixers do. If they can get to the line, both Harden and Embiid shot double-digit free throws. Like, those are two guys you cannot play into their games or antics, and it's just – it's really hard to beat them once they're shooting their free throws. And honestly, in my opinion, this is, like, the kind of game that, like, you're going to get – like, I know we gave Doc some flack, but this is the kind of series and the kind of games that you're going to get from Doc kind of in a situation where they need to win. Like – you're going to go out there. He's going to put the best lineup in. He's just going to let them play <laughs> like the whole game. Like he's not really going to make too, too many adjustments and stuff like that. Like whatever, like if they, if they happen to get luck, get off to a good start and they're able to control the game, like he really realistically has nothing else that he can do, you know, like, and if the heat aren't out here making moves to try to like play to their advantage, cause they're by far the better team. You can't look at um, James Harden and Joel Embiid go out there, shoot free throws, and actually score efficiently, especially James Harden right now, where at the beginning of this series, he was nowhere to be found, and all of a sudden, he's slowly trending back upwards, which is not what you want to see at all if you're a Heat fan or if you are the Heat, because now you have more things to worry about. You have to really think about, like, the next game, they genuinely have to make some sort of adjustment for James Harden, knowing that he can play like that again. Like, obviously, we can't, we, it's James Harden. We can't say he had a full flute game, but he could have had a flute game right there. He could have just gone off because he know he needed to. But, like, who knows if he's really, really back or not? Like, that's like a genuine question. Right. And you can honestly never tell with James Harden. Um, looking at the other team, though, um, when it comes to the Heat, um, a guy that I like to see get a lot more touches and, and spread the ball out um, a lot more for the Heat is Bam out of 
Um, Joel Embiid is going to be his matchup for the rest of the series. And if Joel Embiid is really facing um, three different injuries, then Bam Adebayo has the perfect opportunity to move around the court and shoot a couple of jumpers, get inside the paint. And he went nine for 12 in game four. He had 21 points. He's a guy that like, why not give him 20 shots and tire down Joel Embiid? And not only do I think that he would capitalize on those extra shots that he's taking, it would also make Joel Embiid a lot more tired than he is. And Joel Embiid, who played 38 points in game four, won't be able to play 38 points if you just put the ball in the hands of Bam Adebayo and let him work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good uh, ending point for that series. Now let's talk about some disappointments in the Boston Red Sox, huh? They get absolutely embarrassed, swept at home against the White Sox. It's, it's like a never ending nightmare of the same thing. Every single game, you know, we can't score. We're somehow winning. We blow it in the late stages of the game. And then we lose by multiple runs and extras. I, I have, aneurysms watching this team i hate them i hate bobby dahlbeck if your name isn't xander bogarts or rafael devers or jd martinez i think is in that conversation too you're batting below 200 but like what the hell is wrong with these guys like it looks like they go to the plate with no plan their pick their starting pitching is pretty good i love our starting pitchers i i think Avaldi's been playing well. Michael Walker, he's on the I.L. right now, but he's been playing very well. Pavetta had a good game the other day, which we're not really used to seeing. Rich Hill has really come into his own. I mean, he gave us five no-hit innings. Who would yep. have thought to see that in 2022? And then <laughs> they lose. They lose by seven in that game where Rich Hill goes five innings without letting up a hit. So it's like, what, where, what can this team even do? Like, I feel like every time they take a step forward, they take 10 steps back. Heim Bloom needs to leave. He needs to go. I will escort him out of the city myself. We're, we're falling at the hands of Heim Bloom, simply. He is just driving us down right into the ground, about six feet under, I would say, within the coming months. We're, we're not looking good at all. And, and, like, last year, it was fun to joke about, like, oh, so-and-so came in that like we just like put our hand right on our forehead and we're like why the hell did we put him in but you know we still actually won the game and we were actually still a good team like now it's like anyone that comes up to the bat we're just sitting there and just like every time anytime everything or anything happens it's just an immediate sigh we're not even like sitting there we're like oh like like the only player that actually showed up to play yesterday against the White Sox was Devers he went three for four with three singles and like two or three RBIs then he struck out again the strikeout was really bad but like I can't even be mad at him he went three for four like I like you know like obviously it wasn't a crucial time where he struck out but like he can't go up there and we can't expect him to go three for four every single night yes he can do it like he's Rafael Devers like he has the capability to do that just not every single night then you go out there and we look at our other guys and then like I, I can't even I know I texted Stav at the end of the game I'm like oh my god we're back into this like JD Martinez almost hit one right over the monster hit the top of the wall to that would have been the game-tying home run. Unfortunately, it just didn't go over. The wind was blowing towards the plate. So we, we lost, like, literally to win. But we can't even blame it on that. Like, I'm sick and tired of blaming it on everything else. But, like, he, the ball just didn't go over. We literally went out three straight times, pinch run someone on second base, and we couldn't get a run in. We, it was just embarrassing. We had, like, we have no run support. The, our 
starting pitchers, like Stop said, are doing great. And then anytime anyone in relief comes in, it's like, well, we're either going to be good for this inning or be down 10 going into the bottom of the eighth. Like, I, I, like any given day, we could actually be down one and then be down like freaking 30 in the next inning. Yeah, and, and it's not only just like the relief where we've seen a couple of games where like someone comes in, gives up a lot of runs, but we're giving different people opportunities to close out the ninth and we'll be up one, we'll be up two. And at this point, I feel like no matter what, we just blow it. And, and having a having a, a closer is so crucial in the MLB and, and we just don't have one. And when we were up um by one against the White Sox and Hansel Robles came in, I, I actually was like, maybe we have a chance here. Maybe he, he's going to come out there and he's going to close out this game, right? Because he's been pretty good throughout the season. And he came in and right away, they just jumped right on him. And it's another blown save for us. It, it, it's really embarrassing where we're supposed to be one of the best offensive teams in baseball. And we know that our bullpen was going to be bad. Excuse me, we knew it from the start, and we're not giving ourselves any opportunities to win any of these games, and we've lost our five last games, right? We have not won in the past five games, and if you look at that before, we've won one of our last eight, two of our last ten. Like, we are genuinely just in the mud, and looking back at Heim Bloom, this is his third year, and if we continue this pace, he's going to have two of his first three years be losing seasons, Every single other general manager in Red Sox histories, in Red Sox history, excuse me, English part, in Red Sox history has won a World Series in their first three years. This is embarrassing, and we're the Boston Red Sox, one of the highest market teams. Let's go get some big names. Let's so let's go re-sign our guys that we need to re-sign, and let's continue to be a big market team because right now the Orioles are honestly a better team, and I watched them today and I enjoyed it. Not only. Will they be two out of the three losing seasons? He'll be two out of the three in last place. Like, that is awful, especially if you're a team with the prowess of the Boston Red Sox, a team that we all love dearly. We wouldn't be this upset if we didn't love them. Like, we know the bats can be better. I'm expect like, Story, I love Trevor Story. He needs to step it up. He puts together some quality at bats, but then he looks like he's never seen a slider before in his life. Like, he'll go down in three pitches. Bobby Dahlbeck is just a lost cause. Keep Franchi up. Franchi Cordero puts up really good at-bats, in my opinion. And um, it just – you bring up Jaron Duran. He has a triple, absolute electric speed, and you just send him right back down. Keep him up. How long have we been saying to bring up the young guys? I mean, Cassis, I do understand why they don't bring him up. He hasn't had a full year in the minors. Jaron Duran is – Amazing in the minors. He is too good to be in AAA right now. Unless they want to trade him for a ready now all-star, then there's no reason why Jaron Duran should be rotting away, wasting good years in the minors. He's batting 400 in AAA. Like, come on, man. It, it's, very, it's very embarrassing. Like, I, I just – it's – like like you said, Stop, it's tough because, like, I love this team so much. And, like, like I, I, think, I don't know who I was talking about this. It might have been – it might have been my dad. But I was like, we, like, jokingly, like, it's not really jokingly. I'm a serious Chargers fan, but I'm also a very serious Pats fan, more serious than the Chargers. But, like, I can't even look at another baseball team right now that I'm just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be mind rooting for them. No, like, I just simply can't look at another team and be like, oh, that's, like, going to be, like, my second favorite team that I want to follow. It's just, like, I can't do it. I just, like, I like it just disgusts me to even think to root for anyone other than the Boston Red Sox just because it's the Red Sox. Like, I don't know what it is. It's the culture behind it, and that's just how it is. But, like, I I just I like it's 
unbelievable to see the moves that haven't been made and the moves that have been made. And I just, we're, we've lost our identity. Like last year, our identity was the home run home cart. Runs. We home run cart. We waved every time we still wave, but like, you know, we were a little bit more aggressive with it. We the waves aren't even the same anymore. Will. They're not, they're, they're not the same anymore. We get a guy on second base off of a double. It's just like, well, shit, is he going to go? Is he going to score for us? Are we going to be able to bat him in? Or are we just going to leave him on base? Like every other person that gets on base, if they even make it to, to the base to begin with, because we're not seeing a whole lot of base runners, but anytime we do, I feel like they're just sitting on the bag for three outs in a row. And we, like, we're just, we're, we're lost for words. We're a lost team and we we've lost maybe every form of identity that we have i there's nowhere to find it other than firing um if we fire heim our identity's back if that doesn't work then sell the team i don't really know what else um, to do the season starts tomorrow boys you know i think we've got off a lot on our ch- we got a lot off our chest but our childhood hero is commentating tomorrow's game on tbs don orsello is commentating on the red sox against the Braves on TBS tomorrow night. If the Red Sox lose that game, I lose all hope. Like if we lose the game, I'm like like this is for Jerry at this point yeah. on Tuesday, May 10th. So if we lose this game and I know it's against Atlanta and, and that and that's a tough matchup, but th- this is a must-win game and our in our season should start tomorrow. Like, if I'm being honest, Atlanta's not even that good either right now. Like, they're playing, like, well. They're playing better than us. Like, I'm not going to not gonna go out here and say that, like, we're better than them. Because we're not better than anyone. But, like, to be fair, like, I saw something the other day. Like, since Acuna's been back, they've been better, obviously, like, knowingly so. But, like, they're not, like, going – like, they're not making – so much noise where we have to be how we're worrying about them like this isn't a team like this is a team that we can take is what i'm trying to say like obviously we can't take them lightly they have stars on this team they won the world series last year but they're not like high flying team when they won the world series like we could like i don't know just i feel like i could be crazy by saying this but like i really feel like like we're a team that can beat this team yeah i know and whitlock's getting a start too whitlock has a 1.25 era in two starts so like he's I'm been excited. really, really good for us. Like yeah. I mean, like, I, like I saw Whitlock. that he was pitching, and I'm like, damn, like he's like I, I love he, him he, starting. I like love him. That's starting. that's the he's one. Like really that's good. the one move that I've actually liked by the Red Sox is uh, putting Whitlock in the starting rotation instead of out the pen. But now we don't have anybody out the pen in general, and Tanner Houck has been doing awful. This is a, this is this is kind of on the spot. But when Chris Sale comes back, and if Whitlock's still performing as he is, and the rest of the guys in the starting rotation are, do you keep Chris Sale as your closer? Yes, I, I would understand a three inning guy uh, and let him come back and not give him like long starts, let him kind of ease in. And then hopefully by then, Hauk's going to get a little bit more comfortable. And I'd like to see how get those late appearances. But for, I, I agree with that 100%. I think Chris Sale like should be. I think it would just make the most sense. And in, in my opinion, for this Red Sox team, this isn't like for what we need to do or what we haven't done it's i feel like as an organization we got too comfortable signing trevor story and we figured well xander walks we have story to play shortstop i feel like that whole mentality is literally the way we're playing right now like oh well if he goes we could just bring up someone like 
like like i don't know it just feels like we're not afraid to lose our star pieces because like oh well we have someone to replace him like that's not really like the whole like that's just what it feels like to me i don't know if you guys feel the same way i don't know if like i just feel like we're getting too comfortable with the idea of losing our homegrown players and the players we've loved for the past years i think i think that's a good point to actually wrap up this video i mean Tomorrow, Tuesday, is a must-win for the Red Sox with Don Orsillo on the call. Griff, I'm lobbing it back to you. Wrap us up. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. There's two great days this week. It's Monday um, and it's Thursday. That's the days that the Red Sox don't play this week, so we won't be disappointed. <laughs> um, we hope you guys enjoyed. We will catch you guys on Friday. And peace. Peace. See ya. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.